You are uh, joining us once again on the Gary Wilkerson podcast. I obviously am, well, I don't know if it's obvious, but I am Gary Wilkerson, have always been. I am with uh, my dear friend, Keith Holloway, a theologian, a great mind, a great heart after the things of God. And we've had some really uh, wonderful discussions. And also we've had some difficult discussions, particularly last week as we started talking about the judgment and the wrath of God. Not a popular subject today, not one that is proclaimed from many pulpits. If you didn't catch last week's episode, I would love for you at some point, if not now, to go back and watch that as we uh, advocated as strongly as possible that we um, bring to bear again this this attribute of God, this part of God's character and nature, the 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 ability of uh, and the heart of God to bring forth his wrath for for redemptive purposes, for warning purposes, and even ultimately uh, for protective purposes, the the uh, we want God to be, we spoke last week again, we want God to be a God of judgment and wrath. Uh, otherwise, sin would uh, be unrestrained, and those who uh, do wickedness and evil would um, continue to do so, and probably even more so. It's just the restraining power uh, uh, of God. So I just wanted, to, Keith, take a few moments before I bring you on, is, is kind of introduce uh, maybe some outlines uh, I've been reading a couple of different articles on this, and one article uh, speaks of, of this in five ways. Number one, God's wrath is just, and you spoke very eloquently last week on that, that the justness, the justice of God uh, merits and requires. He would not be just if he didn't bring forth uh, wrath. Uh, to, to let the unjust uh, go free, is Proverbs says, is an injustice itself. It's evil to do that. So God's not evil. He has to do this. Number two, God's wrath is to be feared. Part of this uh, wrath is to awaken us, to stir us, to um, to remove us, to warn us. And again, that in our culture today, man, that's people not only don't hear it, don't want to hear it, and therefore are paying the 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 just uh, rewards of that, so to speak, of uh, of uh, a culture gone wild. Wow. You spoke last week of you know calling good evil and evil good, and the unrestrained. Uh, nature of of our uh, culture today. Number three, God's wrath is consistent in the Old and New Testaments. Um, many people think that wrath is only found in the Old Testament, the flood, the uh, Egyptians being destroyed by the wall of water, the um, different types of plagues. Um, but but it's consistent in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus even spoke about his day, a judgment that was going to come. He said. Um, you know, before any of you standing here pass away, you're going to see the walls of the, the temple fall and crumble, the destruction of Jerusalem. And then AD 70, those who are actually listening to his voice live long enough to see Rome come in, uh, Emperor Titus come in and destroy uh, the, the temple. So that was a judgment. That was a, that was a wrath of God being poured out on Israel uh, at the time. So it was in Jesus's day after the cross even, there was seen that. And then um, there's, we talked about Romans 128, uh, the wrath of God is being present day, uh, not future, present day, the wrath of God is being revealed. Uh, so so that, is, that, that it is in our time as well. Number four, the wrath of God is his love in action against sin. It's not a separate attribute, like you have his, his love is over here, but sometimes he falls out of love and now gets into wrath, that his wrath and his love, it's called the simplicity, this is an attribute called, a whole other attribute called the simplicity of God, where God is one, uh, the, the Israelites and the Hebrew children uh, pray that every day, the Lord God is one God, 
and and uh, all so it, like sometimes you and I Keith might be more angry and less merciful or more merciful and but with God it's always equal always flowing together so his wrath is his love and I've heard uh, I've heard a preacher I think it was a guy named Paul Washer uh, said if you love children you hate abortion uh, if, if you love people you hate racism uh, if you love peace you hate war if you love uh, uh, liberty you hate uh, you know the uh, the you know if you love Jewish people you hate the Holocaust and, and so the, the the wrath is 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 kind of an attribute of love as well and I think that was powerful and number five uh, God's wrath is satisfied in Christ mm. and so we've kind of talked about uh, a number of these already but uh, I don't know if you have any comments on one through four if not maybe we could get into point number five. Uh, I don't want to jump ahead of you, though, so come and join me there, buddy. Yeah, we did touch on, uh, I think, those first three or four that you mentioned last week. But I think it's important maybe just to reiterate, uh, talk about that his wrath is consistent in the Old Testament and the New. Somebody might read the Old Testament and say, man, he, he was a really angry guy. Uh, he was a brutal dictator uh, and would just arbitrarily uh, execute wrath and just, you know, one person sin and then 8,000 or 20,000 die as a result of one man's sin. Well, that's unfair. That's unjust. Uh, and if you look at it as a singular uh, episode without any context, then uh, common sense would lead you to that conclusion. But really, when you look in the Old Testament, you have to realize from the creation of man uh, until the time of uh, the flood, where God looked upon the earth, he was grieved that he had made man, not that he didn't love man, but that man's sins and their offenses had so risen to, to such an extreme. He said their thoughts are wicked and evil all the time, and it grieved him. And it grieved him, one book, because of what man had done. It grieved him also because it moved him to have to then execute uh, a righteous uh, judgment. His wrath was poured out. Uh, the flood represents really only one of two biblical uh, great expressions of his uh, wrath in finality. And yet from Genesis to the flood, uh, I think I'm close if I'm not right, uh, about 1400 years. So the question isn't why would a loving God execute wrath uh, upon people in the flood. The question is, why did it take him so long, uh, really? Uh, and when you look um, at the practices of God, uh, he lays out principles. He is always set, setting illustrations and modeling before people uh, methods of how we are supposed to relate with him. So it, every time I would just challenge anybody reading the Old Testament and coming up perhaps with this um, unbiblical concept that God is just all wrath, think of it as how long it took him before he executed wrath. Let it, let it seep into our hearts and our, our spirits of how mercy-filled he was and how he continued to speak through writings, through the prophets, through the kings, through the judges, uh, how he displayed his uh, mercy and his grace through creation. And then you, you, you might change the question, uh, not why was he so harsh and mean and wrathful filled, but what took him so long to do it? 
-hmm. And that, of course, carries over, as we talked about in the New Testament. So I just wanted to elaborate a little bit there just briefly on the consistency uh, that we find with God in the Old Testament and the New. Of course, the Bible says quite clearly that God does not change. There's no shadow of turning with him. He is consistent. Uh, He is as he is. He will ever be. And um, when we look at this issue of wrath, uh, we spoke last week, but again this week, the five things that you spoke are are really, these are uh, points that should give us pause uh, to think about God in a different way than we look at man. Uh, I think it was, uh, well, I know it was because I have it written down. J.I. Packer said that God's wrath in the Bible is never the capricious, self-indulgent, irritable, morally and ignoble thing uh, humans uh, so often is, the anger of humans so often is, but rather it is instead a right and necessary reaction to objective moral evil. And the objective moral evil is where um, these are thoughts and actions of evil, uh, which are morally evil regardless of what we as humans think. So we can't attribute things to God. We spoke of that. So um, yeah, uh, we, we're, we're looking at a tough subject. We see now, uh, right now, literally in our country, uh, uh, exhibitions of anger and uh, really man's wrath. James would tell us that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's where we're struggling. We're, we're all wanting justice. We're all wanting uh, a, a greater degree of equality and uh, equitableness uh, among mankind. But the anger of man, it, it explodes. It, it comes out as a highly emotionally charged uh, thoughts uh, with reoccurring action, and it brings destruction. It hurts. And that's why in James, just before that verse, James 1.19, God says to us as humans, be slow to wrath. We're not to let our anger. Uh, why? Because that's the way he is. He, he doesn't just burst out uh, capriciously and uh, incoherently uh, like we do. And correlate this, Gary, with Proverbs 19, 19, says that a man of great wrath is going to suffer punishment. And so one of the things that is so really, uh, I, I mean, I literally, I, I've been grieved as I've watched some of the news reports not over the issue alone, but how the wrath of man is being poured out, uh, thinking that it's going to produce a greater degree of righteousness, when in reality, this kind of displays of great wrath, God says that uh, that kind of people will come under a punishment. Why? Because it's not not exhibiting who he is. And and in, in the church, as you said last week, some of our pulpits have gone completely quiet we, we don't want to speak about wrath. Uh, we don't want to speak about God's judgment, even though it's filled in the Bible. And it is a deterrent for evil. It also is a motivation for godly living. And uh, Christians today need to be biblically sound in order to be able to confront accusations and false impressions about who God is and about his wrath at these days. So uh, it brings us to looking at wrath uh, what it is, uh, where it comes from, why it's uh, being now poured out, and, and ultimately what is to come. Yeah, yeah, that's there's there's that was a mouthful, but in a really good way. I, you know, in, um, you know, you, you take um, 
you know, taking it off the current issue that we're on right today, but let's let's move it towards let's let's talk about abortion, for instance, uh, for a moment. So God hates the killing of unborn ch- children, mm-hmm. and His justice will come against that. Uh, protesters standing in front of a abortion clinic can very much move in a godly way. Uh, the movements of history show. This has worked. Godly people raising their voices. William Wilberforce, slavery in, in England, and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. here in America. Those in the pro-life movement. Um, but if they were to firebomb that that um, clinic, now now you're moving into taking vengeance upon yourself rather than a, a, a godly, rightful protest. Which you know, we're you and I are Protestants. That comes from the you know, protesting the Catholic Church, and so we're not we're not. Uh, diminishing the power of of godly protest or peaceful protest, what we're what we're talking about here is feeling like uh, wrath is in my hands, and so you know the because uh, you know uh, in the things that you're talking about in the news in this this past few weeks, um, you know the, the 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 wrath is of man is seen on both sides, the, the wrath of a of a corrupt, evil, wicked police officer murdering an innocent man. Uh, you know, an unconvicted man, uh, and then on the other hand, you know, wrath being, you know, seeing Molotov cocktails and bullets being sprayed at police. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it is taking things into our own hands rather than uh, moving. And so that's that's the wrath of man. Uh, and, but because God has vengeance and wrath, we can peacefully protest. We can stand together in 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 uh, in peace and believe that God has he's working for his justice and his, and his power and he's doing it today not just he's not just we talked last week about storing up wrath he's not just you know letting things go and one day he's gonna kind of just say okay you know now I'll act but he's acting even now uh, mm-hmm. on our behalf so uh, in the time we have left let's let's let's, uh, let's let's like laser beam look at two different things one is God's wrath being satisfied in Christ. Let's talk about that for the next five, ten minutes. And then then if we have time left, we'll talk about uh, how the death of Jesus uh, or, or uh, that. Let's talk about the uh, wrath of God in, in the last day's judgment uh, being different than Old Testament judgment or what's happening in the New Testament or in our present day. Uh, but a final day of wrath coming. And if we have time, we'll talk about that. But let's talk about uh, God's wrath being satisfied in Christ. Um, this is in some quarters called substitutionary atonement. Uh, it is in in principle where you and I deserve the wrath of God right. because of our sinfulness, of our rebellion, of our hatred towards God, of our suppressing the truth. We, without question, uh, only by the mercy of God, are are still breathing. Uh, so it's His kindness, and so we deserve that punishment. Uh, the wages of sin is death. Um, so we we are under a death sentence, and because God is just, Proverbs says, you uh, you know it's it's wicked for to to let the unjust go unpunished, and so God in His justice has to punish the wicked, and the idea of substitutionary atonement or something called penal substitution would be God kept His justice, uh, but by by still punishing sin, but but His mercy and His love for all mankind, that that. Punishment was placed on the Son, Christ Jesus. This was not divine uh, child abuse, as some 
uh, heretics would say, uh, because Jesus is God and he was part of the Trinitarian plan saying, I will go. Here I am, send me. Uh, so it wasn't an angry God beating his son. It was a, a God of love in agreement with God, the God the Father and God the Son in agreement saying, uh, in, in their place, I will stand condemned. In their place, I will receive the wrath of God upon me and the justice. So, so um, you, know, you had uh, we were talking a little bit earlier. You had a good verse there that kind of talks about that, and then maybe give us a few comments on what you think about uh, this idea of the wrath of God. Do you think it can be poured upon uh, the innocent and it still be justice? Does that make sense? That question, uh, or and uh, I'd love for you to read that scripture you were talking about earlier. Okay, you might have to give me reference to that. I think it was a. I think you're talking about first. It was the Thessalonians, a passage in Thessalonians. Oh, okay, sure, okay. sure. Yeah. Well, first, I think it, uh, following up, Gary, on what you said, it's important to to look at a, maybe a we say a thirty thousand foot view. Uh, God holds the whole world uh, guilty under sin, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person and every generation from Adam until us today. Uh, every person <clears throat> born in sin followed up with actions of sin, and therefore we came under the judgment of God. And uh, the the uh, Old Testament is is uh, is written for our example that we look back. God gave laws saying that if you comply with these laws, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, complete these laws and be able to gain a a, a renewed right standing with us. Uh, with God. And yet we couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. So we're all held under the penalty of sin. And so we have to we have to establish that fact. Uh, again, humanism today says that we're God. There's something still good in man. Uh, we're basically good and righteous and moral. Uh, we have occasional flaws, whereas God says, no, the whole world is under the darkness it's under the sin, and uh, he has a right to execute judgment. So uh, following that thought, then, is that if we're all under his judgment and all uh, right recipients to receive his righteous wrath, uh, then it comes to saying, who who now receives it? Well, we know all do, but as you said, God and Christ uh, in the annals of history have gone and joined together for a plan of redeeming mankind. We, you know, some theologians say that the entire uh, theological history, the Bible, can can be summarized into the greatness of man's fall and the greatness of God's redemption. So right. God sent out to redeem man, and to do that, He sent Christ. Uh, you quoted uh, several scriptures there. Christ came as a substitution. Uh, he took our place. Uh, he came and fulfilled all of the righteous requirements of God. He he bore our sins, our shame, and our judgments uh, upon him. Uh, R.C. Sproul uh, from Lincoln Air Ministries once quoted by saying that uh, the cross is the most violent expression uh, of God's wrath, and yet it is also the most expression, uh, most wonderful expression of God's justice. You see it in the cross. Uh, so God poured out his wrath upon Christ. Christ took it all, the full cup. He took and uh, made redemption and salvation available. Now, if we uh, 
if we neglect that, the Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? There is, again, the motivation uh, that Christ has paid that. He's given us a new way into Christ, uh, into God, and that we should take full uh, advantage of all of that. We should live righteously, soberly in this generation. Uh, so we, we shouldn't neglect it. But by far, we should never uh, negate it. And those who negate it, that God is not God, that Christ was just a man, the Bible is just a book, and all of these excuses, uh, uh, if we negate that, then we remain under the righteous judgment where wrath can be poured out. So Christ is the, the one who took our penalty. That's where the penal substitution comes from. He substituted for us himself. He took the penalty upon uh, himself. Isaiah 53 speaks about that. Uh, and if we, but if we don't turn to God, if we don't receive his wooing, if we don't yield to his influence, if we resist him in every way, then you find that wrath is poured out now. But wrath is being poured out upon uh, those, as you, you said in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is poured out against all ungodliness, those who commit ungodly things in ungodly ways. But for the true believer, the true follower of Christ, the Bible makes quite clear that the wrath of God um, has been removed from us because it was put upon Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says that God did not appoint us, us being the believers, the followers of Christ. God did not appoint us to wrath. So there is a wrath for unbelievers, those who negate, whose refusal, who reject. But for those who have accepted, then the wrath of God is removed. We're exempt from that because Christ paid it all. Mm -hmm. uh, he did what we couldn't do. He paid a price for us that we could never repay. We could never earn it, never pay it back. Uh, so Christ has done that. And in that place of wrath, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 continues, and it says, but we will obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. What mm -hmm. glorious. I mean, it, it's yeah. easy to hear and quote scripture, but when you really wrap your mind around it, everyone is condemned. And yet through Christ, he's made it available where those who respond, those who come, who seek, that they will be completely forgiven, the wrath taken off, salvation imputed, righteousness imputed. Uh, it's a wonderful, uh, not only uh, theology, but it's a wonderful reality that yeah. multiple millions across the earth uh, yeah. have, have experienced. Yeah, well said. It's the core of the gospel. It, 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 it actually, we are, we are free. When the Bible says we're free, free indeed, that all comes from this, this, this topic you're uh, eloquently speaking about here, Keith, and that's uh, it's important to us. You know, when you quote uh, Sproul there about the most violent act, it's you know it goes back to what we were saying earlier about you know is there's wrath in the Old Testament? Is there you know maybe it seems to be missing in the New Testament, but actually that the cross was actually more of an outpouring of wrath than the flood, I think, was because all all sin, all curses, all penalty, all wrath of God for sin was placed on one innocent man. You know, and so I've, I've, uh, just real quickly, I just, you know, in um, Deuteronomy 28, it talks about the curses for disobedience. Um, uh, and it says, uh, curses will overtake you, curses in the city, curses in the field, curses in the basket, curses in the bowl, curses in the fruit of your womb, curses on the ground, curses in your herds and your flocks, uh, curses you will go when you go out, when you come in, 
Uh, everything you do will be frustrated uh, until you are destroyed and perish quickly on the count of all the evil that you have done in forsaking me. Pestilence will stick to you uh, and a, a wasting disease. I mean, it's just like really gross curses that will fall upon the sinner. And so, you know, on the cross, an innocent man, pure, holy, took all of our sin. Every sin you and I have ever committed fell on him at the cross. But not only the sin, but also all the curses. So so no wonder he felt forsaken. No wonder he was could not, could, you know, almost wanted this cup to pass. You know, other people have drunk, drank the cup of martyrdom with courage, not saying, please let this pass, but saying, I will go to the, to the, to the martyr's, you know, cross. Uh, but Jesus seemed to want to withhold it. Well, because it wasn't just the physical cross. It was the spiritual thing that was taking place. Mm -hmm. the, the, the thing that was happening in him drinking the cup for us, that cup of wrath. He looks in it and he sees all the sins of the world. He sees my pride, my arrogance. He sees Gary's hatred for others. He sees my self-ambition. He sees uh, lust and greed and anger and murder and Holocaust. He sees all that in the cup. And he has to take it into his innocent body. And then he knows the curse of God is put upon that as well. So the pestilence and, and uh, uh, wasting disease and blight and mildew, all this unclean things comes upon him in the cross. And uh, that is, as you said, the most violent judgment uh, ever seen. Uh, but that's what we give thanks for. It's not, we don't see that as uh, a, a mean-spirited, cranky old God who just had to punish somebody. Mm -hmm. We see it as a just and holy God who saw sin destroying not only at the flood, but even in New Testament times. And now his son, Christ Jesus, says, I'll stand in the gap. There'll be one man stand in the gap uh, and bring and reconcile man to God. There's a, a few scripture verses that speak clearly to this because some people don't, uh, they don't believe in the wrath of God because they don't, like you said, I think last week, they don't really believe in sin. Mm -hmm. they, they call that sort of like, you know, misbehaving or problem. Uh, they see it as, um, you know, uh, something you, you kind of wrongdoing, but it's, it's not gross, immoral sinfulness right. that ages of his death. And therefore they, if there's no sin, there's no wrath, then a punishment for sin seems un, un, unmerited, unnecessary. Uh, and that's then just throughout the whole gospel, just throughout, don't read your Bible anymore. Don't be, call yourself a Christian anymore. Right. Uh, but Isaiah 53 uh, verse 6 says, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So it's the laying on of the sacrificial lamb. The whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament speaks to penal substitution, that, that the lamb was sacrificed in our place. Instead of us, blood being poured out of us, it was it was, it was was them. And because, again, somebody say, well, why the demand of why the demand of punishment? Well, because the holy God... Um, you cannot look upon sin and for us to be looked right. upon in relationship with him he has to rid us of sin we are too unholy to rid of ourselves of sin there's nothing we can do uh, so he stood in our place uh, John, 1 John 2.2 2, um, says he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours but also for the sins of the whole world the, the word propitiation there um, speaks of a uh, sin bearer, uh, one who bears our sins, a sin put upon him, again, the innocent one, Second uh, Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
and this I'll just touch on this and then we'll talk about some other things. But uh, not only is there, uh, you know, Christ substitution, there, there, there's this sense of the imp, 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 impart, impartation, the imputed. Uh, we, we input our sin, imputed means to put in. We put our sin on Christ, but the good news of substitutionary atonement is that he puts his righteousness into us. So not only are we, uh, we're not just put on ground zero back to, okay, your sins are forgiven. Now you're at ground zero, better live your life right now because uh, you're going to go back to ground, you know, you're starting, you're getting, a, it's not just a fresh start. You, your sins are forgiven, but you're also now, you're imputed the righteousness of God. So the good news is as we speak about this issue over the weeks and months to come about the attributes of God, uh, all of the ones that are, they call them communicable. You can communicate them like a communicable disease. I, I catch a, I catch the flu, you can get it from me. Uh, if I have a brain tumor, you can't catch that from me. They're, right. they're incommunicable. So there are incommunicable attributes of God. He's omnipresent, I'm not. He's yeah. omnipotent, I'm not. Uh, so those are the incommunicable. The communicable ones are, um, he is merciful, I can be merciful. He yeah. is holy, I can be holy. Uh, he is merciful. I can be merciful. Those are the communicable ones. And at the cross, the substitutionary atonement not only took our sin away and left us neutral, but it put into us the divine attributes of God that are communicable, the, the mercy, the grace. And that's why we are transformed yes. and being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So this whole subject of, of uh, you know, it, it speaks to the importance of understanding the judgment and wrath of God. Because without that, Christ would not have necessarily come, and we would not have not only our sins forgiven, but uh, we would not have the imputed righteousness of Christ. So we have a glorious uh, doctrine we're speaking about here today. It is one of the most life-transforming, powerful doctrines uh, a man could speak of, because uh, we are no longer under the wrath of God, but, no, but we're not neutral either. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes. It's all because of that Isaiah 53. He 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 bore our sins on the tree. Uh, by his stripes we are healed. Um, he he bore our punishment on that uh, in, in our place. Yes. I, think, I think it's the old hymn says, "In our place he stood condemned, uh, yes. so we might become uh, righteousness uh, of God." Uh, I want to leave, give you an opportunity to respond to that. If you have any more thoughts, and if not, I want to talk about the last issue about the wrath of God we're talking about before we. Well, just what you said, Second Corinthians uh, five twenty one, he. Christ became sin. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God. That is what many theologians call the great exchange. And uh, it's, it's almost too marvelous to think about. Uh, but as we do, uh, it, it, it brings forth, uh, as a human, it brings forth both knowledge, but it brings forth uh, wisdom and uh, emotions uh, that we should not ne uh, neglect such a great, 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 salvation. And uh, I, I echo with you, Gary, that heretical statement that uh, the cross is where uh, uh, the child abuse, divine child abuse, uh, that, I mean, that's such an atrocious thing to even think, much less to contemplate on. But because the Father and the Son were in unison, they were in unity in this. Christ said, uh, no man takes my life, I give my life. Uh, he said, not my will, your will be done. And he submitted to that, knowing that, yes, it was uh, it was a terrible, tragic injustice 
that came upon Christ. We hear about injustice today. That's an injustice, the greatest one. Uh, and yet it was the justice of God because it brought an opportunity for so many to be able to come into this uh, great salvation of God. It's what you and I have uh, been called to. It's what we've dedicated our life to, as uh, many tens of thousands have. And we continue to press that gospel out, that today is the day of salvation. Mm -hmm. Don't fight. Don't be vengeful. Don't uh, let the wrath of man overwhelm you. Don't let the signs and the times uh, steal opportunities for you. Some had said, you know, we don't want to, you never want to waste a a great um, crisis or something of that nature. Uh, this is a time of crisis, but this is a time where Christ can be found so easily in the midst of the crisis. Yeah. What a great salvation. And if anybody doesn't know Christ, then the Bible, as you read in Romans, they remain even right now under the wrath of God. And of course, as we talked about the cup being full, it leads us uh, as you're now wanting to head into uh, what future wraths uh, lie ahead. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Um, the, um, the the this is an issue we'll talk about. I'll just kind of give a, a forecast of things to come on our podcast. Uh, I've I've invited Keith to join with me after we're done um, talking about the attributes of God. We will um, and and we just a little sidebar here. Because uh, I said when we're done talking about the attributes of God, we will be done talking about them, but we will not have talked about all the attributes of God. Right. Uh, you know, I was talking to, uh, did an interview with a, a man named Dr. Sam Storms last week, and um, if you haven't watched that podcast yet, if it's out, I want to recommend that. Uh, but one of these things is he said is because God is infinity, uh, He's infinite. Um, all all of His attributes are infinite as well. So He has there is no limit to His attributes. He has innumerable attributes. We think 10, 12, 20, 2,000, 8,000. Uh, he has unknown attributes that we won't, we'll be discovering throughout all eternity. Uh, oh, he's like this. I didn't even know that. You know, there are wonderful characteristics that, you know, we have joy, we have peace, we have kindness, we have patience, we have goodness. There are a whole classification of other attributes we don't even know about yet. Maybe some of them the angels might hold that we don't, certain power attributes that we don't have, uh, but there are some unknown. So, we can discuss some attributes of God, but we won't be discussing them all until we're in eternity, and we'll keep this conversation going then. Uh, but uh, we, after we're done talking about the ones that God has given us to talk about, uh, you've been you've been so kind to uh, join me and some a couple others as we speak about um, eschatology, the end times. Uh, and so we'll talk about this next question in depth in the months to come. But let's just touch on it here in the last 10 minutes we have together. Uh, and this has to do something with eschatology end times, uh, because there is, we talked about the Old Testament wrath of God, the New Testament wrath, the current day is being revealed in the present times. Uh, I talked about how, you know, Jesus even predicted in the walls of uh, the temple falling down. That was, a, that was a, a point of the wrath being poured out. But there is, we both, Keith and I, we talked about this before, and we have a few a few little minor differences, but we both believe in a coming day of judgment and, and of wrath. Um, that would be, uh, there will be a final judgment on all people at the end of history. There's, there's, and, and I think every Bible follower believes that. There may be some nuances in when wrath starts or when it's poured out, uh, but but uh, wrath has a final day um 
you know, we talked about Romans, Romans 2, 5, talked about uh, the, uh, the wrath of God's righteous judgment will be revealed a day of judgment. So tell me a little bit about what your what your thoughts are, Keith, on uh, on this. Do you agree with this, that there's a, a coming wrath that's maybe somewhat different than uh, the flood, the the cross? Uh, you know, uh, what, what, you've studied this probably even more than I have. What what do you see as uh, this this last cup of wrath? What, what is that? Well, um, yeah, there there is uh, a final wrath coming. Uh, it isn't because you and I believe it or studied it. It's because it's written in the scriptures. Uh, yeah. It's there uh, for our good. Uh, I know that uh, we look sometimes as wrath as something we don't want to look at. We don't want to consider but in reality, it's written there, and there is much in the Bible, as we've uh, at least tried and very uh, minimally touched upon uh, in terms of wrath. But there is a final day of reckoning. There's a final day of wrath to be poured out. Now, if we keep it in line, we talked about 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.9, saying that we, the body of Christ, the full wholehearted believers, followers of Christ, are exempt from wrath. Why? Because Christ has paid our, uh, taken our penalties of sin. The curse of upon us has been put upon him. So for the believer uh, today, there is no future wrath. Uh, we've been exempted. We've been pulled out of that. So any future wrath is going to be specifically upon all the earth uh, in terms of creation, but it will not come upon the church. It will not come upon believers. Uh, technically, it won't come upon 144,000 that uh, of uh, Jewish people that God has designed uh, and chosen to uh, pull out of the Jewish race, and they'll be marked. You can find that in Revelation. Um, but we're not appointed to wrath. But the wicked, those who reject, those who refuse, who who uh, reconstruct God in their own image, they will come under wrath. Um, We'll find uh, in um, uh, chapters, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now, now, either 20 or 20, I think it's chapter 21. Uh, after the thousand year reign of Christ, there will be what the Bible talks about, the great white throne judgment. That is a judgment of the wicked dead and the wicked living at the time. It's where each man and woman and child will be uh, judged according to their deeds uh, and uh, there will be a uh, judgment given, and wrath will be poured, poured out, and it will be destruction. So we know then that God's wrath will not come upon believers, and the reason why it won't come upon believers in, in, in uh, the wholeness of the view is because Christ took that. But practically, it won't be poured out. Uh, if you follow the sequential order of things in Revelation— you find that there are six seals to be poured out, and then there are trumpets and bowls. Those trumpets and bowls are are uh, part of God's wrath. Uh, so those trumpets and bowls, because they are God's wrath, then those will not be poured out upon believers because we won't be here. There is that great truth in the Bible about the rapture of the church, uh, and that will happen previous. In fact, I think it happens quite suddenly and then immediately. It's sort of like you have the rapture of the church and then the outpouring of the wrath, the trumpets and the bowls that you can find. Uh, Revelation 15 verse 1 
speaks about that as the last of these plagues, uh, uh, which are bowls, uh, are poured out. It says that the wrath of God is finished. And then there will be there will uh, happen the uh, battle of Armageddon, uh, the defeat of Satan and then um, other elements. So uh, if we look at Revelation chapter six, Gary, if you follow the seals, uh, there's five seals that transpire. And then there is in Revelation chapter six, verse 17, um, it says uh, actually 15 uh, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So there are sequential things that we can see. Uh, there is a recognition that the wrath is coming. Um, and that that wrath before it is poured out, uh, there will be the glorious rapture of the church and that will be uh, implementing that we are not appointed to wrath, but we're saved through Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. The, um, the, the, I think the core point there, what you're saying is that uh, sheep and goats, you know, goats are going to be uh, experience the full wrath and judgment of God, which is condemnation, eternal punishment. The sheep, on the other hand, will be, uh, uh, you know, eternally to be with the Lord, uh, new heaven and a new earth. <clears throat> um, we're going to talk about the eschatology of that, the timing, the locations, the seals, the revelation, Thessalonians. We're going to talk about that to come. There are <clears throat> uh, your your what you've just said there is very classical. Uh, I think some people call it classical dispensation. Dispensationalism. It's it's a it's a um, um, it's like a it's a it's a rapture, and then wrath, and then a second coming. Uh, you know, millennial. There's there's like so that's there's a lot of complexities there. I, I just want to say to our listeners, there are other schools of thought. I actually am in one of the other schools. Um, it, as, and this is going to be controversial because it's probably 5% of the church believes what I'm beginning to see more and more in scripture because I, I come from more of a classical dispensationalist point of view. <clears throat> but I just had a hard time seeing different second comings. You know, he comes now and then there's wrath and then he comes again and then there's more wrath. And, and I, I, I just, my mind's simple. So I just see it as Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to judge uh, the sheep and the goats, and there's going to be the goats put into wrath and, and judgment, and the sheep are uh, brought into, a, a, again, a new heaven and a new earth. And there is uh, already wrath now. There, I believe that wrath is the judgment of God on sinners, uh, the eternal punishment, and the wrath that we are, but we are experiencing wrath now. We're, we're actually, you know, some people say the rapture is the escape from wrath of God, my problem with that is that we are actually, uh, we talked about Romans 1, 18, we are actually under the wrath of God now. Similar, some people think, look at picture like Egypt. There was the wrath of God being poured out on Egypt, and they saw that, but they were there for the plagues. They were there for the for all the stuff that God was doing, uh, and then they were rescued out simultaneously through the flood, I mean, so through the river, uh, the sea, while the same time the egyptians were destroyed and so as one i see it more as one judgment coming place you know christ is coming uh, uh, you know uh, for me uh, 
uh, and we'll talk more about this in detail, but you know, like, like a secret capturing away of the church. I don't see that anywhere in scripture in the sense of, you know, a trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise. I mean, I don't think that's going to be very secret. So, um, you know, there's some really good things that we can talk about here. I think it should be very interesting. We're going to add a couple other voices as well um, from, because again, there's like a, I don't want to get complex here, but there's like a pre-trib rapture, a mid-trib rapture, a post-trib rapture, a pre-millennial um, second coming, a post-millennial second coming, an all-millennial. Uh, and, and we're not going to get into all the nuances of that. Uh, the thing that you and I totally agree on is that there is uh, a, a coming of the Lord. Um, and um, we also believe that there will be uh, judgment, um, you know, and, and uh, to be re uh, redemption for the believers, and judgment for the sinners. Um, and, and I'm totally happy that you and I see things different. I'm glad we don't see things exactly eye to eye because then there's no fun in just having conversations about things and and also learning about scripture too. Like I, I want to learn from you um, to make sure that I'm not departing from something, you know, be again, because you know, again, the vast majority of the Christian church today believes exactly what you just described, and and I'm more in the minority, so I'd like to make sure that I'm keeping my uh, moorings solid and and, and sound. Yeah, Gary, I think I think a majority of Christians do believe that there will be a rapture. I do believe that they. I think that they believe uh, there will be uh, a wrath poured out. They do believe that there's a a period of time, you know, whether it's seven years, three and a half years, however they look at it, a time of great stress and uh, unseen supernatural activities upon the earth. I think we have those core elements. I think the challenge is when we get into uh, sequential order of things, when we get into who will uh, be recipients of those activities or be on earth at those times, uh, that's where it starts to get a little fuzzy. And what we're doing here uh, today talking about wrath is we're really just trying to nail down uh, that the Bible gives us uh, absolute certainty that there is a future outpouring of God's wrath. Also simultaneously saying that it will not be poured out upon believers. It will not be poured out upon the church. Why? Because Christ took the judgment. That's right. He took the wrath. Now, there is a judgment. Like, again, if you go into a court of law, if you and I are at odds and we go into a court, uh, we both produce our evidence. And then at the end, the jury uh, listens and they give a verdict and the judge reads the verdict. One of us, you or I, uh, we both will get a judgment, but one will get a judgment that is a reward and the other simultaneously gets a judgment that is uh, wrath, if you will. So we find that in uh, the... In the scriptures, not just in the book of Revelation, but that there is a reward for the saints. No further judgment is given upon the believer. Now, our works uh, will be judged. There is a judgment upon our works, but not upon the life of the believer. We are set, sound, and secure in Christ. Permanent, that's fixed. Uh, but the uh, judgment that's given to us is rewards. There's the distribution of crowns and uh, different uh, different uh, kinds of rewards or different amounts of rewards. Yeah. That's all we have to look forward to. But yeah. the unbeliever, we're saying today, take note 
come to your senses because even though today you may not feel, may not see, you may not agree, you may not understand that God's judgment is upon you, but it is, and there will be the work of God to try to draw sinners to him. Uh, but ultimate rejection will lead to ultimate uh, pouring out of wrath to come. Mm. Yes. The, uh, the, but it's the, also a blessing for, for the believers. Uh, if you read Ro uh, Revelation 5, one of those seals, martyrs who have been killed for their testimony of Christ are under, found under the altar. And they're asking, when will you avenge us, O Lord? Our blood has been shed on the earth by the wicked. Uh, and God says, uh, uh, stay calm a little bit longer. So th there's unfortunately going to be some more believers that are, are, are killed. But you'll find later on there is uh, in the outpouring of the wrath in heaven, there is a great exaltation of a multitude of voices of tribes and tongues and peoples saying hallelujah to the Lord God, to the Lamb, uh, because he has avenged us the, through the outpouring. So the uh, wrath doesn't come upon us. We're going to actually rejoice. But uh, rejoicing is not at their, the demise of the wicked, but we're rejoicing in the justice of God yeah. that's being displayed upon the earth. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And, um, you know, there's, there's a quick comment, too, on the, um, you know, because the, the, uh, judgment, the judgments of God are righteous and true and perfect and beautiful, really. Um, even even as you've mentioned, rightfully so, the you know the, our works being judged, uh, we'll we'll probably in some degree appreciate that. It won't, I don't think it's going to be a, a matter of mourning and moaning and and weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think you know because it says you know uh, wood hay and stubble will be burned away. You know, to some degree, that's a measure of of the of, of our work so so that's a good thing to enter into eternity with that oh he's gonna just i'm walking in stripped of all my past um you know even though i've been cleansed and i'm righteous and there's no condemnation you know so so that the judgment of our works is not a condemnation on us um, but it is a uh, sort of a i mean i call it a refiner's fire that last little bit of the dross being removed from us as we enter into eternity with with um with a, you know, a, new, a new body even uh, for those who, are, um, who have already passed away. So there's a lot, a lot to speak of here uh, in this. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, you know, we probably won't get into the minuscule details, but I would uh, want to invite our listeners to stay tuned for when we, once you see uh, posted on our website or on YouTube or other formats where we post these uh, podcasts, uh, be looking for, We'll, we'll probably a few weeks in advance start saying uh, keep keep our eye open for a series on eschatology. And uh, uh, Keith is going to be back with us. Uh, Dr. Sam Storms, who was with us before, said he'd come back on and, and help us walk through the. And what I want to do is talk about the various, um, again, uh, pre, pre-trib, pre mid-trib, post-trib, pre-millennial, pre post-millennial, uh, coming of the Lord, uh, rapture, uh, and a second coming, or all of that is one thing. Um, and just talk about all those things. And then not just for intellectual uh, curiosity, but for practical elements of, uh, you know, you know what what difference does it make? Well, maybe there are some differences in, in uh, uh, you know, I, I know you believe we'll be here for part of some of the difficulties of the time coming on the face of the earth. And so, but if you didn't believe that, you might say like, I don't have to prepare my heart for any troubles or difficulties because, uh, I'm not going to see any of it. And so we might be caught unaware. So there's some real practical things 
sure. uh, that we can talk about um, on, on this issue as well. And just to summarize here today, again, we have talked about this difficult subject, the wrath of God, and um, how it is married to his love, and it is redemptive in purpose, but also vindictive in the purposes of, of uh, bringing justice to uh, the unrepentant and ungodly. And that's it's all part of the gospel. We talked about the uh, substitutionary atonement, how Christ stood in our place. So, man, we've hit on some heavy, heavy topics the last few weeks. We will be getting into, not that they're not as heavy, I think they're just as important, if not more, and uh, certainly as important as these topics are some of the ones that seem more prevalent in society today, but uh, important to clarify um, the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. When we talk about the grace of God, for instance, in the weeks to come, Keith, uh, there's a lot of confusion about the grace of God. Uh, you know, uh, particularly in the last decade, there's been the uh, hyper-grace movement, and uh, you know, people seeing grace maybe through an unusual lens uh, compared to historic Christianity. So I'd like to talk about hyper-grace and that. So stay tuned. Some fun stuff coming ahead. And uh, I, as always, enjoy talking with you, Keith. It's uh, love, love your heart and your insight into to, into the heart of God as well. So keep keep on keeping on, as we say. Yeah. Well, we want to keep pressing in. This is a time not to be slothful or lazy or uh, to remain in ignorance. Uh, we need to hunger and thirst and seek for God. Uh, and uh, He is revealing things to us. There are some things we uh know already and then some things we can find from say from uh, uh daniel chapter 12 the first few verses that there is an unfolding of knowledge so we need to pursue and uh, be students of the word so we encourage everyone to join us again bring your bible be ready to take notes and then follow up uh we've received several questions that have come in uh wanting clarification uh asking a little bit more light on a particular a subject or part of a subject. We we want to try to do that as much as we can, depending upon the volume. Uh, and um, yeah, so I'm enjoying being with you, Gary. And I hope that it's uh, I hope that we're doing um, uh, right by the Lord, that we're doing the best uh, that we can according to the light that we have and uh, where we maybe are not on track, that there'd be grace. And uh, we're uh, hungry to learn and hungry to live for God full full and wholeheartedly in these uh, trying times. Amen. Well said, Keith. Thank you again. Good being with you. Uh, also, feel free to subscribe to the podcast. You want to have it sent to your uh, inbox uh, weekly. We'd love to do that. And also uh, password around. Uh, you can uh, send us to others as well. We could. Uh, uh, we, we believe that God's wanting to give us a depth of insight to the best of our ability, as Keith just said. Uh, but we also pray for breath that that we would be communicating this to multitudes of people and we would uh, sure appreciate your help. If you feel like you've been blessed at all by this, uh, think for a moment about just maybe who to uh, send, put it in your mailbox and send it to someone else or uh, uh, just uh, and put, put it on your social media so that they could be aware of uh, the, uh, I, I hate saying it because it sounds so selfish, the Gary Wilkerson podcast. It's uh, uh, but just for simplicity's sake, that's what we call it. Uh, not to boast my name, uh, but um, just, uh, just make people aware that it's available to them. All right. God bless, Keith. God bless, my friends. Thanks for joining us again. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. 
This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.